When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Pineapple Pizza Podcast discusses the histories, cultures, and beliefs of regions around the world. These stories often contain mature and sometimes disturbing content that may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to Pineapple Pizza Podcast, where we serve up slices of mythology, cryptozoology, and urban legends. It's an interesting combination of flavors. Weird, but it works. Today, we have a visiting chef who will be serving up one of their favorites. I'm your hostess, Emily, and with me, as always, are my incredible co-hosts, Ashley and Lindsay. Hey, ladies. Hi. What's up? (laughs) (laughs) Please join us in welcoming our guest chef, for this episode, Becky from Homespun Haints. Hey, everyone. Hi. Hi. I'm trying to be come up with something funny to say, but I'm falling short. So, hey. <laughs> It'll come naturally. It's cool. <laughs> I'm usually not funny during introductions, so they're used to it. <laughs> <laughs> so I have a list of questions that Ashley was kind enough to write for me because I'm slacking off and not not doing my homework here. So it literally says questions for Becky. It does. All right. (laughs) In case there was confusion. (laughs) Are you prepared for this? Yes, I think. It's going to be okay, I promise. All right. All right. What's your social security number? Just kidding. That's not one of the questions. (laughs) Please don't air that one. (laughs) But... If you're not telling us about your social security number, can you tell us a little bit about your show? When did you and Diana start Homespun Haints and what inspired you to create the podcast? Um, We started the show in 2019, in July 1st, 2019. That was when we launched our first episode. I got the idea because I grew up in rural Appalachia, Northeast Tennessee, which I'm going to talk about today, some of the legends and folklore and cryptids that we have there. And storytelling and ghost storytelling is just an endemic part of the culture there. And I missed that when I moved away. To me, there's nothing more fun than um, getting a group of friends together, having a bonfire, telling scary stories and scaring the shit out of each other. Like to me, that is a good time. And I just wasn't getting that anywhere else. And I reached out to my friend, Diana. She spooky. She's a spooky lady like me. We met in Florida when my husband was in college and she was in grad school. We were neighbors. And I said, hey, I've got this idea. What do you think? And she said, I think you need a co-host. So (laughs) I'm picturing she said it just like that, too. I think you need a co-host. <laughs> That's how it kind of got started. I had been wanting to do something like this for decades. I really wanted to um, use 
Appalachian ghost stories and folklore as the central point of my MFA thesis and my advisors wouldn't let me. (laughs) So here we are (laughs) finally doing it. Damn you academics, right? That's something that needs preserved. I mean, just look back at the Grimm brothers Mm -hmm. and what they preserved. Thank you. Thank you. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, I didn't get to do a thesis on it, but I learned so many amazing skills that have led me to be able to do this podcast now. So I highly value that art degree, even if I wasn't allowed to do ghost stories. Well, there you go. Silver lining. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Well, on that note, what kind of topics do you like to cover on your show? Ah, ghosts. Ghosts, 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 and ghosts. Yes. (laughs) Yeah, we we do have um, some people come to us with UFO stories or cryptid stories. And that's all great. That's all paranormal. But we... Mm -hmm. Hang on. Can y'all be quiet? Please? (laughs) So... (laughs) That was a ghost you heard. I, I just... I love ghost stories. And... Occasionally, we'll have some stories of like demons or yeah, that's true um, manifestations or things like that. That's all cool too. Like if it's kind of otherworldly, maybe from the other side or the other side of the veil or whatever, we're interested in it. But um, Bigfoot tales, we love them, but that's not necessarily what we're going for. You cover a lot of personal encounters, right? Everything is personal. Uh-huh. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I guess I should have uh, said that. So uh, our stipulations for the stories we have, it has to be true. It has to have happened to you. And you have to be good at telling it. So we want good storytellers who have encountered a ghost. And they are the ones that encountered the ghost. Not their dad, not their neighbor, not the kid down the street. We don't want it to be an urban legend. We want personal encounters because that's what's juicy. That's what... You know, we want people to listen to our podcast and not be able to sleep for a week. And to me, (laughs) that is what makes it scary. (laughs) It is. It's great. I love listening to it. I I love the the personal touch to it, It, especially when you guys are telling your own personal encounters. I think that makes it truly amazing. Yeah, it's amazing how many ghosts we've run into since we started this. It's like we're becoming <laughs> magnetized to them or something. But You're thank opening you. yourselves up, yeah. I guess so, yeah. <laughs> so if our listeners or our patrons were interested in tuning in, when do new episodes drop? New episodes drop every other Monday at 12 a.m. Eastern Time, so it's technically, well, not technically, but it feels like Sunday night. And if you're in Pacific time, it is Sunday night. But if you're in Europe, you have to wait. That's when they drop. <laughs> uh, we are actually on a break right now. Halloween is over. And so we are going to be taking a little bit of a hiatus. We usually air a holiday special. So uh, we'll be posting on social if we do that. And then we'll be starting back up again in February of 2022. Nice. With the every other week on Monday. So what is one episode of yours that you would recommend for patrons of our pizzeria to check out first? Or what is an episode of your show that is your favorite? Oh, that 
is so hard to answer. Yeah, that's always the hardest question, I feel like. It's almost <laughs> cruel to leave it on there. <laughs> I I could go season by season. Our first season, episode nine, Have You Seen the Hat Man, was the show that made me start use, turning on all the lights when I get up in the middle of the night. <laughs> that one... <laughs> that one kind of terrified me and the person who told the story did an amazing job and you could tell that she was terrified almost crying when she was relaying some of it we recently had a woman on our show michelle she's a sommelier and Ooh. she told the story of being in a house like her sister asked her to move in with her and her fiance in this house and help them renovate it and all these weird things were happening with water in the house. There was wet spots and flooding and all these things that shouldn't be happening in Texas in the summer because it's kind of dry. And then there was this weird chlorine smell that was coming out of the showers while they would shower. Come And then the height of the story was she was sleeping in a different room because her sister and the fiance were having a fight. So she dragged her sister into the guest bedroom was like, let's just sleep here tonight. And in the middle of the night, she woke up and the room was freezing cold in July and dark. Mm -hmm. None of the street lights were coming in. And she heard the dripping from the faucet in a steady <sighs> rhythm. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. And then the dripping became footsteps. Mm -mm. And then the footsteps became breathing. Mm -mm. Oh, no. And this Ew. giant, dark creature with long hair, like almost out of a Korean horror film, like bent over her and then walked around to her sister's side and bent over her and breathed her in and sniffed her. And uh, they, uh, that she, she opened her eyes and there was this like, footprint still on the carpet but it looked like it had claws no nope. oh. nope come to find out that the previous owner his wife had died of a stroke in the pool in the backyard <gasps> and the owner had uh cemented in the pool and buried <gasps> it <gasps> and this woman was basically retracing her steps no and they tore out all the carpet in the house and put yeah. in hardwoods and then they started seeing footprints, <laughs> wet footprints nope. going up and down the stairs. Mm -mm. Uh-uh. That's nightmare <laughs> fuel right there. Yeah, it was it was a really good episode. And then they sold the house to another uh, family and told them everything. And the family's like, oh, I'm sure it's fine. And um, she called a few months later, like, is everything okay in the house? And the mom was like, oh, yeah, I made that room into a playroom. And the kids love the ghost. She's a good friend of them. They hang out all the time. They play. So I guess it worked out in the end. No, I would have burned the house down. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> solution no. for Lindsay and Ashley is always just burn it. Okay. I know. I know. It's not always, but if there's a really big bug Generally. in there, sometimes you burn the whole thing down and that's totally fine. Yep. That's what homeowner's insurance is for. So... <laughs> Claws in there somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I actually, I will say this. Uh, we have noticed that it, not so much in the stories that we hear, but in 
my neck of the woods here where I live in Georgia, the houses that tend to be most haunted do tend to mysteriously burn down on their own. It Ew, seems to happen like a that. lot. Fire! Yeah. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> it's like Norway all over again. <laughs> Everything's on fire. Exactly. Story, something was on fire. It was. That was so great. Georgia's <laughs> considered one of the most haunted states in the U.S., isn't it? Probably. It's very haunted here. I love it. I mean, they yeah. did burn down Atlanta at one point, so... Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. Yep. There's a lot of trauma, a lot of history, a lot of ghosts. Yeah. A lot of old stuff. We got a ton of ghosts. And Savannah. We got Savannah. Savannah's yes, just... Yeah. It's like one giant ghost that's been made into a city. (laughs) So this next one is a little tough. What is your favorite pizza topping and why? Pineapple. And I'm not just saying that because I love you guys. (laughs) I love pineapple on my pizza. I still need to try it. Not going to lie. Well, when we come to visit you, we're going to make you eat pineapple on your pizza. Oh, are we doing that? We're doing that. Should I bring restraints? I should bring (laughs) restraints. Got it. Oh, God. It's so good. Yeah. No, it's some pineapple and like, you know, some Thai chili sauce and a little bit of jalapenos and maybe some like pepitas on top too and get a little crunch going. That's sweet and spicy. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. It does sound good. I love it. It is good. It's a good choice, I have to say. Why, thank you. So how (laughs) long have you been interested in the paranormal? Was there a specific event that sparked your interest? Oh, I can't imagine a time in my life when I wasn't interested in ghosts. They've just always kind of been a part of me and my life and my family and my culture. I mean, my mom used to tell me ghost stories as bedtime stories because we kind of had a fucked up uh, bedtime routine, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> I'm going to skip you to sleep now. Prepare yourself. Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. It was always like, yeah, how is that? I she would you. always Be find terrified. a way to scare us. Yes, pretty much. Yeah, so, so every place we lived, she would somehow convince me it was haunted. And then it would kind of come true. I was going to say, was she wrong? No. She wasn't. I think stuff was following us, though, if I'm going to be honest. I don't know if it was her or me that it was following, but it was following. Did you have haunted furniture by any chance? Like a piece of, or furniture, or like an heirloom, possibly, that might have brought it with you? Or a mirror? Mirrors. (laughs) Fuck mirrors. (laughs) I'm with you on mirrors. mirrors. I hate them. (laughs) I, I won't, I won't. No, I won't. Okay, yeah, actually, I didn't even think about it, but here, I'll turn the camera. You guys can see. See that uh, ch- that china cabinet? Yeah. Yeah. It's been, in, it's been in my family since, when was the Empire period? Like the 1840s, I guess. Um, yes. Yeah. Sounds right. So. Sounds legit. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely pre-Victorian. It's, it's been in my family Um Oh, yeah, I'll say like 150, 170 years, thereabouts. Um, and there's several other items, too. I'm about to get receive a cedar chest. We have these family traditions. So the eldest daughter always gets 
these things. And this one, I think on the back has like a list of everybody who's ever owned it. Ooh, that's spooky. Yeah. Well, I think it's written in Sharpie, so I don't know how spooky it is. But interestingly enough, this, this cabinet was, it was actually purchased here in Atlanta, you know, way, way long time ago when Atlanta was a new city and then transported down to Florida where my family is from and then up to Tennessee where I grew up and now it's back here in Atlanta in my dining room. So yeah, maybe it's got ghosts. I don't know. That would be interesting if if you were to remove that to see if you still have any kind of activity. Yeah, I didn't have any activity until that came into the house. Ooh, there you go. The haunted China. (laughs) (laughs) It's like an ancestor in there going, polish your silverware. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe you should think about dusting in here. (laughs) (laughs) It's always family, right? (laughs) They're always in there, just in your business. (laughs) Like, you got that pile of mail you haven't looked at. That would be my family. (laughs) Wake up in the middle of the night and they're hovering above me like, you didn't make your bed. (laughs) Totally see it. There's dishes in the sink. Right. (laughs) So Becky, you're an artist and you generally Mm -hmm. make a painting for each episode. Which you post That's on correct. Um, you post on Instagram. How yes. much time do you put into these spooky and beautiful pieces? Um, the good ones uh, the usually good about ones. two weeks. <laughs> wow, really? <laughs> there, there are some where I'm like, uh, I just gotta whip this shit out. But most of them, um, I, I am assuming swearing's okay. But oh, oh yeah, yes, you're fine. Yeah, you're fine. There's <laughs> nothing you can say I haven't already done, even though we were supposed to not say fuck that much on this show. It was in like the first five minutes. I did, I did do one in the first five minutes, and I'm not sorry. <laughs> it's all right. That's why you put the E in the episode. Yeah. yeah. Um, no, I, I, I do. I, I, I mean, it's not two weeks straight, but you know, a few hours each day doing the undercoat and underpainting and slowly building up, you know, the shadows, the highlights, and then the details. And I, you know, I want to do it right. I want to put the time into it, and then. Um, if it if it looks like a really nice one, then I'll do finishing edges and put a hanger on the back and things like that. So, what do yeah. you do with those once they're done? They're beautiful pieces. You can buy them because I have one. Yeah, <laughs> they, they are for sale. Yes, um, and I um, will happily send them to anybody who is interested. Uh, the others are just kind of in a pile. <laughs> like said, the, good, the good ones are waiting for good homes. <laughs> the bad ones will probably get over, you know, painted over because canvas ain't cheap. Yeah. So, well, you'll have to send us a link. Okay. So we can put that in our show notes. Yeah, I can certainly send you a link where I have images. Um, I do put an image of the painting, like a close up on every episode in our show notes. Mm-hmm. So you can always see that there. And then also on Instagram, I always post it. I do love watching you do your work on Instagram. 
That's what I was gonna oh, say. There's usually you. like a process video too, mm -hmm. and they're like super mm -hmm. satisfying to watch for some reason. Aww. And they I are. always watch them like twice because I'm always like, this is so cool. And then it starts Aww. over, and I'm still watching it. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what it is about the way that you paint, but it always makes me feel like I could go and paint too, and then I try, and it just is not there. <laughs> but you make it look so easy, <laughs> and it's so beautiful. I'm like, yes, Bob Ross in it over here. <laughs> I know, seeing it over here, and it's no, it doesn't happen. Just a happy little skull, happy little skull. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I, I, I put a lot of work into learning how to paint skulls before I started actually trying to do it in paintings. So there's, there was a lot of practice that went into that. <laughs> well, they're beautiful. <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you so much. Can you tell us a little bit how, about how the violin music ended up being incorporated into your intro? Because that's you playing, right? Yep. Yep. Um, uh, well, growing up in Appalachia, I did learn violin. I was classically trained, but, um, it kind of soaked up bluegrass and fiddling and things like that through osmosis just by being there. And I played for many, many years. I started playing when I was four. And when I was, I think when we moved to Atlanta, which was in 2009, I sort of set it down. You know, I, I developed some extreme um, injuries as a result of it. I have carpal tunnel pretty bad with both of my wrists and I had a baby which just made it worse and I was over it and I realized I didn't really like playing and then um, so the first season the music is actually me just pounding some stuff out on the piano. I like literally just sat at the piano put the mic over it and like just played a bunch of crap until I was like yeah that sounds kind of like a melody and that became our theme song. <laughs> but <laughs> But then quarantine happened, and the family that we were quarantining with, they kept saying, ah, Becky, bring over your axe, let's jam. I was like, oh, right. And next thing I know, we formed a band, and I'm playing regularly, and I was like, hey, this is kind of fun. I could do our music with it. So I just started recording. It was, And it was like a lot easier than trying to do my bad piano playing and then piece it together in GarageBand. I actually know how to play violin. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, so that's how it started. And it's just continuing. And like, I mean, it's out all the time now. And now <sighs> my living room has exploded with all of these instruments and amps and pedals and pickups. I mean, there's, we have two pianos, three guitars, a bass, a saxophone, a theremin, the violin, a, a theremin, a theremin, yeah. Oh my god, I love it. Love it. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so I, but I, I'm still pulling out that violin because it's, it just seems to fit with the style of the show, with the sort of down home country origins origins that we have. Even though we feature stories from all over the world, so that kind of brings it back to its roots. That's awesome. I got to say, okay. So this is just my little personal thing. So I've been working very closely with part of my thesis research has been chestnuts. And they were a huge part of Appalachia culture. Mm -hmm. And so mm -hmm. I, I don't know, something about your show and talking about Appalachia and then working with the chestnuts, it's really brought me closer to something that I, I didn't grow up around. 
it wasn't a part of my history, but it's really made me love that part of North American culture and Eastern American culture and just what it really, it, it meant so much to so many people. And to mm -hmm. see that there are still people that are working hard to preserve that heritage means a lot. Aww. Oh, I love that you're studying that. That's awesome. And I love that you pronounce it correctly. Most people Only say Appalachian. It drives me crazy. <laughs> <laughs> well, I always say, you know, I'm like, you should go with the pronunciation of the people that are yes. from there. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. I had a friend once from India who's like, it's Himalayas, Becky. And I was like, okay, you're from there. Okay, we're going to say Himalayas from now on. <laughs> really? So, I didn't know that. Yeah. So that's, yeah, I'm like, well, if I can make people say Appalachia, she can make people say Himalayas. Yes. We are. <laughs> but I think it's really awesome what you do and that you're kind of working to preserve these, not not just personal stories, but your personal stories and, and, and that little bit of heritage. I think that's really cool. Thank you. So. Awesome. Oh. <laughs> so in doing this work, have any of your guests shared personal experiences that have really affected you emotionally? That's an interesting question. I've, I really try to separate myself from the story, not get too caught up in it. I'm very empathic, so I kind of have to protect myself. But there are definitely stories that are so scary mm -hmm. that, you know, fear is an emotion yeah. that I, I do find myself kind of glancing over my shoulder or getting, you know, wondering why I'm up late at night recording something and then haunted office building by myself. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, I think fear is really the, the biggest emotion that I will take away. There are definitely stories that are sad. I mean, we're talking about ghosts, so there's definitely stories that have death and things like that. And there's definitely stories that are hilarious. But I try not to take it home with me, if that makes mm -hmm. sense. I try yes. really hard. I think I have to just because we hear so many stories and they're all brilliant and it would be very easy to get caught up in them. So I do, I, 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 I work really hard to make sure I'm not caught up in it. That's absolutely understandable, especially when you live with your own stories. Yes. So you don't need exactly. to be bringing anybody else's home. <laughs> right, right. Exactly. <laughs> Ghost stories are always scarier when they're told by the very people who experience them. Hi, I'm Becky. And I'm Diana. And we're the hosts of the Homespun Haints podcast. We talk to people just like you who've come face to face with ghosts, demons, haints, and other strange paranormal phenomena. All of it makes for a chilling good time. So grab yourself a sweet tea, turn off the lights, and listen to some eerie, true ghost stories on Homespun Haints wherever you get your podcasts. I'm not scared. Are you? So I think that leads us to our final question. What is this special you have selected to feature today and why did you choose it? Well, I actually have two for you. Ooh. I hope that's okay. Absolutely. I'm totally fine. The more the merrier. <laughs> I will say... I hope you guys like hair on your pizza because we're going to get beastly. Oh, no. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> Just had a bad experience at Taco Bell like a week ago. So. <laughs> well, your first mistake was eating at Taco Bell. Yep, that's what I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
Um, I have some stories that see. I I actually have like a whole collection of like folklore books and things from my hometown. They're even signed by the author. So I was digging through those to find something that you weren't really going to hear or see or find very easily on the internet. And the first story I want to tell you about actually comes from uh, a book, Haunted Kingsport, you know, the haunted series Mm -hmm. for different cities. My hometown is Kingsport, Tennessee. And it's got so much richness when it comes to folklore, just that whole area. And it's it's very isolated, but it's also an interesting melting pot of so many different cultures. You have the uh, Cherokee who were there originally, and then a lot of Scottish and Irish immigrants came in, some German. Um, there's also African, and that's that's really about it. But that's kind of like that 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 nice mixture, and all these people came to that area and then just kind of stayed there because it's. It's difficult to get around. Mm -hmm. It's very mountainous. (laughs) (laughs) Even as a kid growing up there, it was like, you know, just just driving from where I was to Asheville, North Carolina. Now it takes 45 minutes. But when I was a kid, it took two and a half hours. Oh, Oh, damn. That's a big difference. Yeah. Tiny little roads, hairpin curves all the way through. We had to go through Sam's Gap. Like all the roads go through gaps where the mountains are a little lower. (laughs) And one thing that I learned from living there is to really, really appreciate and respect nature. That was all we had around us. It's not like we had a city or anything. So, you know, and as a kid, my parents were very clear with me, you know, when you go into the woods, I went into the woods a lot because my backyard was the woods. You always stay on the trail if there is a trail. You always make sure you know how to get back. Um, It's very easy to get lost. And there's, it's teeming with wildlife. There's bears, there's deer, there's bobcats, there's coyotes. I mean, there's all sorts of stuff back there. And there's cliffs you can fall off of, mountains you can fall off of. That's actually a really common problem. People falling <laughs> off of mountains. It happens a lot. <laughs> so you just got to be careful. <laughs> yep. Boom. Yeah, and let me tell you, those are those are some long drops. You don't come back from that. Oh, no. So, I mean, in fact, the, the mountain that I grew up on was the second highest point in my town. And from our kitchen window, we could see Tennessee, Kentucky, North Carolina, and Virginia. Wow. That's how high up we were. That's cool. <laughs> it That's is cool. Really cool. I thought, I didn't appreciate that as a kid. I thought the whole world looked like that. And I'd, I'd go away to summer camp and people would be like, you're so lucky you can't live someplace that's so pretty. And I'd be like, oh, you want to switch? You can come live here. <laughs> <laughs> I hear that there's these cities that have things like malls and movie theaters. We don't have that. <laughs> so I <laughs> I do want to share a story um, about an area a little bit north of where I grew up. It's actually up in Virginia. Uh, it's a tiny little settlement in Wise County, Virginia, called Cracker's Neck. And I know that's hilarious. Oh, no. But <laughs> it's pretty amazing. <laughs> <laughs> and like I said, this story, I did find it in that book of um, Kingsport stories, Haunted Kingsport. And I have really had a hard time finding much else. I think there's a, a, a small little YouTube video about it, but... 
It's a fascinating story. So this area is even more rural than where I grew up. It's very rural. Uh, It's near, like I said, we always refer to (laughs) the landscape by the gaps. It's near a place called Big Stone Gap. (laughs) It's a gap in the mountains and there must be a big rock there or something. (laughs) And (laughs) At least you hope. (laughs) It's a giant kidney stone. (laughs) I mean, drink your water, people. There is, I mean, the water is really hard here. So (laughs) I grew up on well water. I can talk about it. So um, it's called that actually because of a father and son. Their last name was Cracker. And what happened to them there? Uh, uh (laughs) Uh-oh. Yeah. So sometime in the 1800s, early 1800s, I don't think anyone knows the exact date. But um, this this guy Joshua Hunt, um, Cracker, he was what's called known as a long hunter. So what he would do is he would go travel through the mountains. And this is back when um, there's this sort of understanding in this area that the forest lands were kind of common land that you could just go and hunt on. They didn't really belong to anyone. And that's that's an old, old tradition. And even though that's not really the case anymore, let me tell you the way I crashed around through the woods, we certainly still acted like that was the case. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> I never knew whose land I was on when I was wandering through the woods. But then it was like kind of law, like it was a common area, you could just mm-hmm. wander in and hunt and whatever. So um, what he would do is he would travel through the wilderness, find a place with a lot of game, Again, this is early 1800s in the rural Appalachia. Not a lot of competition for, for you know, for hunting. He would build a cabin on the spot and set up camp there for weeks or months or however long it took until he had a huge haul of furs and hides and meat that he could salt and preserve. And then he would go back home and sell it all. So this was just what he would do. And the time that he went to Cracker's Neck, he decided he was going to bring his son with him. His son was late teens, early 20s, to teach him the skills of the trade so his son could continue in a family tradition. They went up to this area by Big Stone Crack. Big Stone Crack. Big Stone Crack. Not Big Stone Crack. (laughs) I'm just envisioning what that would look like in my head. (laughs) Yeah, me too. (laughs) It's like Mothman. It does look like Mothman. <laughs> Big Stone Crack. <laughs> okay, so it's near Big Stone Gap. <laughs> and they built their little cabin. And they would go out during the day and hunt and come back at night and sleep. So one day while they were out hunting and they came back, it looked like someone had just torn up the interior of the cabin. Like all the mm. meat they had drying on the walls, like was like ripped off. Furs were all torn up. Their food had been tossed about. It was just a mess, and it like, you know, there wasn't much they could salvage from it. So of course, being in Appalachia, they were like, "Ugh, bear, damn mm-hmm. it, yeah." And they were worried it was going to come back and do the same thing again because now the bear knows there's food there. Yep. And so the next day, Cracker Junior. That is their real name. I know. It's just so funny. I know. I'm trying so hard not to like crack a huge smile every time, but Cracker Junior broke me. (laughs) 
<laughs> anyway, should I call him Cracker Jack instead? Would that be easier? There you go. Oh my God, I, that. <laughs> I don't. I don't know what his name is. <laughs> Cracker Junior <laughs> went out to hunt. Father stays home. While he's gone, the father is like he's in the cabin, right? And he hears all these weird, strange wailing sounds. Ooh. That's you know, they scare the shit out of him. He's like, what the, what the hell is that? So, but that was the last they heard of this. And then it seemed like everything was fine. Hmm. So they kept hunting. They got more game, more hides, more furs. Things look like they're okay. Spring comes. So it's easier to travel. And they decided, they're like, okay, we better get out of here. They're packing up everything. Sun goes out to get breakfast, probably like kill a rabbit or something. Mm-hmm. And Winnie, <laughs> I shouldn't be laughing. This part isn't funny. Oh no. <laughs> when he comes back, he sees what looks like an oversized ape running through the woods with his dad's head <gasps> under its arm. No! Oh my god. <laughs> no. What? That escalated mm-hmm. quickly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep. And we went from rabbit to heads. <laughs> Sorry, that's how I roll. Heads will roll. Sorry, I couldn't help. Oh, no. All right. Focus, Becky. All right. So, Cracker Jr. kills the Sas- Sasquatch. I'm calling it a Sasquatch because we all know that's what it is, right? Yep. He yeah. kills it. And then he, he runs towards it and he finds pieces of his father's body like strewn <gasps> all over the ground. Oh, like God. he's been ripped up. Oh my god. So oh. he he's like in shock, right? So he buries his daddy's Chunks body his parts. Dad. Right. Mm. And then he and then he buries this creature that he's killed. And he's and by this point, like he he's in shock. He can't go anywhere. He just goes back in the cu- cabin and he huddles down for the night. He's just like uh, uh, right and all night long he hears wailing this horrible cacophony outside of the cabin and he's just like <laughs> right Mm-mm. right nope makes it through the night gets up the next day he's like i'm leaving mm-hmm. i'm leaving he goes out to pay his last respects to his dad and the creature's body has been dug up and removed Mm-mm. nope no nope. Mm-mm. No. <laughs> and so uh, years later, people start to come and move into the area and they find the abandoned cabin still there, like ruins of it still there. And they named the area Cracker's Neck after them. Poor daddy. I don't know cracker. why they didn't just call it Cracker Leg or Cracker Chunk, but Cracker's Neck. Cracker Chunk. Because it was their oh, no. neck of the woods. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> well, maybe, maybe. So, but yeah. So the young kid, you know, he he returns home to tell the tale of what happened, what he saw, and then that just got passed down through oral tradition and storytelling, and the place is still there. But like I said, it's difficult to find records of this story. I mean, mm-hmm. you can go, you can go take a look, look for Cracker Neck or Cracker's Neck in Virginia, and you'll see it. And it's <laughs> it ain't much. Like a little tiny dot, and on Google Maps, all there is like has a video. Like you go there, and there's like somebody posted a video of them like four wheeling through the mud, 
hair. And that's like the only thing you can see. I'm like, all right, there's Cracker's neck. It's like it's like giant, you know, one of those trucks where they put the massive wheels on it. And he's like oh, yeah. showing off how he's going over the ruts. We called it four wheeling. And then Bigfoot's ancestor, or his uh, progeny come out and clothesline whoever's on the ATV. <laughs> right, yeah, right. Well, so my theory is that um, Bigfoot was indigenous to the whole North America, but, you know, encroaching of civilization, yeah. he was pushed west. Mm-hmm. And if you've ever driven, I, I went up to Portland. Are, I, are any of you in the Pacific Northwest? No. Nope. no. No. East. Um, have you all been there at all? Yes. I've been to Portland and Seattle. Okay. I don't get out much. That's why I'm so pale. (laughs) I I I understand. My coworkers used to call me Casper. So (laughs) I I uh, flew out for um, in 2016 with my daughter, and the air was so bad because of the forest fires that you couldn't go outside. And so what I decided to do was to drive to the coast. I drove through the Cascades, and I got to see just how empty it is Mm -hmm. and my cousin was out there too with me and she was just we were both like we thought we grew up rural we thought we grew up in the middle of nowhere this is just a hundred times more empty at least of human yeah human so yeah I could definitely I could see like I was like you know things can get lost in the woods where I grew up pretty easily sure something can get lost in the woods through here Mm -hmm. I mean we packed up and moved out west so why couldn't they, right? Exactly. You know? Or maybe they're still in Tennessee. They're just maybe hiding. maybe nobody maybe nobody actually falls off the mountain. Maybe they were pushed. <gasps> dun dun dun. Murder. <laughs> <laughs> so I got I got one more big one. This one is also about a cryptid. Mm-hmm. I love this. <laughs> I'm sure y'all have heard of the wampus cat, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Maybe. Yeah, that's from the, um, oh gosh. It's the other triangle that's up in like Massachusetts, right? Not the Wendigo. No, no, it's not no. The, it's not the Bridgewater Triangle, is yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, the Bridgewater. The kidney bean. Really? Wait, there's a Bridgewater Triangle? I think there's a wampus cat up there too. Oh, okay. Wouldn't surprise me. Well, East Tennessee would like to um, claim it being the (laughs) origin state for the wampus cat. So, um, what if you, what do you, can I, do you mind just telling me what you know about the wampus cat? Because everybody has a different rendition. Well, the only thing that I know of the wampus cat, at least from the Bridgewater Triangle, was that there were um, unusually large cats that were seen up in the area. And I think they turn out to be, what's the, what's the, you know how there's the Savannah cat that's like three quarters wild cat? Mm-hmm. It's the, the, the actual wild cat version of that. I can't remember what the name of it is. Like a cougar? No, it's something out of Africa, actually, that was brought here because, you know, Americans. <laughs> but anyway. Yeah. Kind of like those meth hippos. Yeah, hippos. Yeah, sorry, not hippos. Oh, hippos! Just like busy scratching at their faces all day. (laughs) 
Hey guys. Hey guys. <laughs> so good to see you. <laughs> oh, Can I no. have some candy? Lindsay, you gotta stop her. I'm gonna rupture something. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so the Tennessee Wampus Cat is different than the Bridgewater Wampus Cat. Maybe. Maybe not. <laughs> so the Wampus Cat only shows up at night and it disappears during the day it is sometimes portrayed as a giant cat that walks on two legs but some reports say that he's a six-legged cat-like lion or feline beast throughout my hometown and surrounding areas there are so many tales of this creature and I don't mean like oh my daddy said that so and so saw it I mean like eyewitness accounts I've seen all sorts of like records of you know I was locking up my pharmacy in Johnson City and walking down the street and I saw one on the street walking ahead of me and he went up and looked in the pharmacy like woo drugs oh, no. <laughs> you guys got me a suit of fed I just want suit of fed I'm not gonna I'm not gonna make anything out of it no no um, so it's got a cold <laughs> <laughs> this is crazy meth cats <laughs> so so there there are so many tales of this thing and so many people have seen it and it doesn't just happen in tennessee it goes all the way up through north carolina through tennessee georgia um even like arkansas and texas have stories of this thing so um in the 20s and the 30s, there were a lot of reports of livestock being killed throughout North Carolina, Georgia, and Tennessee. So these are things that there's like actual records of, mm-hmm. and they blamed it on the wampus cat. You know, they're finding their cows butchered in the middle of the night. They're like, ah, wampus cat. <laughs> uh, <laughs> What's the most logical explanation here? Exactly. <laughs> Bipedal cat. <laughs> yep. Right, right. Um there is also a famous story, uh, the Beast of Bladenboro, which is essentially a wampus cat story. So this is in 1953, Bladenboro, North Carolina, uh, started out when you know somebody saw this large cat-like creature killing their dog. Like they heard their dog barking in the middle of the night. A woman did. And I mean, this again, it's all recorded. Um, there's all the police reports are detailed. Uh, and the reports say that like multiple people in town were seeing this and you know they're they're seeing this thing come out of the woods grab their dogs and drag their dogs back in oh, no. and then in the morning they, the the dog carcasses would be drained of blood so they were saying it was a yes <laughs> they were saying it was a vampire <laughs> it could have been a chupacabra and it was like so bad that pe- you know most of these these 50s in rural Appalachia, they didn't have bathrooms on the inside of their houses then. Oh, no. Like, they would keep, like, this bucket on the porch and go on the bucket because they were too afraid to go in the woods with this thing running around. No, thank you. Porch bucket. Porch bucket. (laughs) I was just thinking that. (laughs) Why is that so funny? What's wrong with me? Mom, I really gotta go. Help me go to the porch bucket. <laughs> All right, I'll hold up your dress. You squat on the side. 
Town's pretty freaked out, right? And nobody likes like not being able to use the bathroom. So they decided they were going to start this hunt to kill whatever creature was terrorizing the town. But it was such a frenzy. Like so many people were so scared and they didn't even know what they were really looking for. That um, <laughs> what the local police department did is they, they just like some... Um, farmer had killed a bobcat, like a really big bobcat. So they took the bobcat and they strung it up on a pole and they're like, we got it! We got it! You go home now! <laughs> they just wanted to calm people down. This is the guy right here. Done. <laughs> Solved the whole thing. <laughs> you can stop peeing on your porch now. It's fine. <laughs> the killings did stop after that, but it was probably a coincidence. Let's see. I also have a great article from uh, Greenville, Tennessee, which was um, a town not too far from where I grew up. It's the home of Andrew Johnson. Oh, <laughs> that guy. <laughs> <laughs> I have opinions, but I will suppress them. <laughs> I wonder what those could be. <laughs> so the um, basically the uh, story is that there there were also similar reports of a wampus cat in 1918 um, killing lo- livestock and that kind of thing that was reported in the Greenville Sun. So all throughout the 20th century, reports of this creature in newspapers killing livestock, killing dogs, people see a cat-like thing. So what the hell is it? Well, there's two origin stories, and they both come from Cherokee legends. Nice. Oh, nice. One story is that there was a creature, a demon named Ewa, who was terrorizing uh, this Cherokee village. And they sent one of their strongest, strongest men to go defeat the creature, the demon. But whenever anybody looks at this demon, they go mad. Mm. And so when he came back, he was mad. And so his wife, running deer to avenge him, put on a mask made from a cat's head. Oh, my God. And... And went out to defeat Ewa, and she did. And so, because she was so good at this, and other villages wanted her to help them with other problems that they had, because she was just now like this demon killer. Now, centuries later, she is still wandering the woods mm. as half cat, half woman. And the six-legged cat that people say see is actually Ewa. And they're still fighting. That's one story. I like that. That's a good, uh, a nice ending. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good one. The other one's not so nice. The other one says that um, she, uh, Running Deer, was actually uh, a bad wife. She snuck out of the encampment to watch the men plan for their hunt. And women weren't supposed to do this. And she disguised herself with a cat's 
uh, hide over her head. But when they discovered that she was there, they cursed her to walk for eternity as half cat, half woman as a way to punish her for trying to learn the ways of men. Sounds legit. Yep. <laughs> that one you don't hear about as much. The original one is a little I have bit no more. idea why. <laughs> <laughs> so, interestingly enough, though, that still people, you know, as I mean, I, I was reading reports written in the 90s of people seeing this thing. That's crazy. Uh, 2015, people seeing this thing. Oh. So what is the Wampus Cat? Well, there is a breed of cougar that used to be indigenous to this area, Tennessee. Supposedly hasn't been in the area at all in the 1900s. Died out in the 1800s. However, there have been... I mean, if you go to the Tennessee Wildlife um, Wildlife Resources Agency, they state that there have been some confirmed sightings in Tennessee. As recently as 2012, they started confirming that, yes, there's cougars in Tennessee, but they don't want to talk about it too much because they don't want people to like go out and hunt them. Yeah. So they're like, uh... Yeah, okay, so there may be a couple here and there, but they're not supposed to be here. We're not going to say that they're indigenous to the area. Gotcha. But yeah. It's, uh... <laughs> so cougars are native to the area. They got hunted out, but they're still kind of native to the area. And there's cougars in North America, and they're creeping back in. And they're big, right? Yep, yeah. they're very big. Yep, They're very big. And I don't know about you, but my cat walks on her back paws all the time. They're smart. They can do it if they want to. Yep. And if you startle a cat, it will, you know. Yep. yep. <laughs> <laughs> and cougars are nocturnal. Yep, they are. So, is the wampus cat the spirit of running deer still protecting us against Awa? Or is it just a scared cougar looking for a canine treat? Who knows? You be the judge. I think my dog knows that we're talking about dogs getting killed because she is very upset right now. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Don't worry. You're going to live forever. You live forever. in Pennsylvania. <laughs> You're immortal. You'll never die. Everything's going to be fine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so the word um, wampus cat, it's believed comes from the word cattywampus. Oh, yeah. And yeah. And- yeah, and let me see. I have uh, is believed to be derivative of the folk word catawampus or cattywampus, which is defined as an imaginary fierce wild animal or askew, awry, cater cornered. It could also uh, it's sometimes used in conjunction with describing a domineering or aggressive woman. Um, (laughs) Of course. Why wouldn't it mean that? It also can mean utterly and completely defeated. Um, So it's believed that slaveholders used to try and scare their, um, the enslaved people working on the plantations for running, running away by saying that if they ran away, they were going to encounter the catawampus cats. 
So there's also, you know, don't know if it, the word came from that or if, you know, if that's when it was first started being used. But yeah, it's a, it means a lot of things. <laughs> yeah, that's a, ver- a wide variety of uh, yeah. definitions. Mm-hmm. Right, right. <laughs> You could encounter a domineering woman, or you might encounter somebody who's been totally like defeated. Talking, I can't hear her. Oh, Anybody you can't else hear her? Emily? I can uh-uh. hear Emily. I can oh. hear Emily. Can you hear me? I can't hear Emily. I can hear you. I can hear everybody else but Emily. <laughs> Emily, Damn you're a ghost. you, Lindsay. You're a ghost. <laughs> Go figure. Just keep going like, I'm here, but I don't exist. Okay. okay. All right. Well, well, Emily, what you uh, missed was I was describing the wampus cat that um, has a taste for canine flesh and drains them of their blood like a chupacabra. Sounds about right. Chupacabra style. And maybe, maybe it's like the spirit of a woman, but also maybe it's a cougar. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe I want to (laughs) assume. Maybe that's where the word cougar comes from. Maybe it is. Would explain a lot. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Well, so those are my two Tennessee cryptids folklore from my neck of the woods. Not Cracker's neck. It's Becky's neck. Any questions? Personally, I really enjoyed the story, the, the first story, because you hear so many stories about, um, Bigfoot being fairly docile, which is kind of being scared of running off. And this one's like, no, nah, I'm going to rip your dad to pieces. Yeah. So I thought that was interesting. He ripped him to pieces and he kept the head as a trophy. <laughs> right? That's my favorite part. Don't leave it out. What is wrong with me? <laughs> God, those were both so freaking good. Like, I can't... I can't even process all of it at once but I love how like all of us collectively kind of did like a gasp when the dad got ripped to shreds but then when we get to the (laughs) second story and you're like oh well it was killing dogs I'm pretty sure all three of us started like whimpering (laughs) (laughs) I was like no not the puppies not the puppies (laughs) and the livestock don't you care about the cows I do care about the cows, too. That was also sad. You can murder all the people you want, cryptids, but do not mess with our animals. We will not stand for it. Amen. (laughs) There's something really wrong with me, and that's okay. I think it's because we're so used to hearing about people like killing other people that when we hear about something killing like a domestic animal it gets really sad like it it just makes Mm -hmm. us like super sad at least that's how i feel about it like no i agree because you don't hear about someone just going like on a mass killing spree at a pet store or something and they just take out all the all the animals you know what i mean like no don't don't even introduce (laughs) that to the world All the hamsters. Okay, if that happens, I quit life. I want to be very clear. (laughs) No one ever do that. Hamsters and guinea pigs have not done anything to you. Just don't do it. (laughs) But that's just my, that's just my think, my thinking of it. Like, you know. No, that makes sense to me. Also, I don't think an animal has ever, like, 
just been a total asshole to me for no reason. So, and humans you do that all the time. You clearly don't have cats. Mm-hmm. I yeah. do, actually. And even then, I'm like, oh, that's fine. I shouldn't have been in your space. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you want to hear a happy story about animals, I can tell you something really quick. Well, actually, I was just about to ask you, would we like to share something nice before we close up the restaurant for the night? Yeah. So um, where I grew up also, I'm sure you've heard of TVA, WPA, FDR's New Deal, all that. Mm-hmm. It's all, oh, brother, where art thou, where they flood the valley. Yeah. So that mm-hmm. was also where I grew up. And like every river and da- every river was like dammed and we had a lot of hydroelectric power. And that was another thing you had to learn to do was like, don't fall off the dam. <laughs> You're in the jet ski, you got to stop at a certain point because there's a big waterfall over the side. Oh, no. (laughs) But as a result, there's um, in the rivers uh, in, you know, now these man-made lakes around where I am. First of all, I always hated swimming in them. And I still to this day can't stand swimming in lakes because all I could think about was there's a town under me. (laughs) <laughs> oh, that's creepy. That's There's fair. There's <laughs> under me. There's cemeteries <laughs> under me. Oh, no. And I just, and because also because it was, I guess, because it was such a disrupted ecosystem, it was like muddy. It was so muddy. Like walk in, like you'd walk up to your tummy, right, in the water, and you'd walk out and you'd just be brown, like covered in mud. Uh. It was like going to like one of those natural spas or something. You cover yourself in mud, but it was not intentional and it was lake mud. It was Ew. gross. So you couldn't see through the water. So I was like, there's going to be a skeleton hand. It's going to come up. It's going to grab my ankle. Ah!" So I hated swimming in lakes. And as an adult, I learned that we have our own kind of a Loch Ness monster type things in these lakes. So we have lakes cut off from the rivers and streams and things because of the dams. And so a lot of the natural predators of the fish that would come in there would, uh, wouldn't be able to get in now. So you have these fish that don't have anything really stopping them from growing. Yeah. And I gotta look this up real quick, which fish it is. If it's an alligator gar, I'm going to lose my mind. No, it's not. Cause those are terrifying. <laughs> Carp. Oh yeah, that sounds right. Okay. We have those all over here too. They they don't really ever stop growing. Mm-hmm. And what happens in these lakes is they just kind of sit on the ground in the lake, and whatever junk people throw in, they just eat it, and they eat, and they eat, and they eat, and they get bigger and bigger and bigger. And there have been reports of these carp because divers will go down to uh, clean the areas around the um, the dam that are underwater, and they will see these carp and catfish too <laughs> that are the size of school buses. Oh my god, what? that's <laughs> terrifying! But I love it. <laughs> see, so this is this is you know it's the opposite of the wampus cat. Its life will always prevail. The carp will keep growing. And they're oh happy. Gosh. They are happy motherfuckers. They're just like eating, eating. I mean, all they got to do is just sit there and eat and eat and eat. And they're just like these big sluggish things like, hey, 
like the divers will be like going by like this massive eye, like something out of um, Captain Nemo or something, and they'll be like, "Hey, chomp, chomp, chomp. they do," and they'll oh, climb you. all over each other too. They don't oh care. God. They're just like, "Get out of my way! I'm gonna have my feet." Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh my god, that's crazy! But I love that they're like just giants, literal giant fish. We I do. love it. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, so, so uh, at least two of the three cryptids I served you today could be real, 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 and still here. Love it. I'm into it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Man, that carp would make a huge pizza. But not a very tasty you like one. Fish on your pizza. <laughs> Some yeah. people do. Anchovies are a thing. Yeah, but that's yeah. different. It's not different. It's equally disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a mean person, but I don't care. Don't put fish on pizza. <laughs> Stop it. Doesn't belong there. No, only pineapple and sriracha, pepperoni. I don't I don't really like pepperonis though. I'm sorry, Emily. <laughs> don't judge me. They're so greasy and gross. I just don't That's why I love them. I'm not gonna lie. I love it when they curl up and they're like little pools of grease and it's disgusting and you eat. Also, have you ever made a pizza with pepperoni on it? Because that'll cure you of enjoying it, I promise. Yes, I love it's, it. I love it. <laughs> it's like hell when you work at a restaurant and everybody keeps fucking ordering pepperoni pizza. Uh-huh. You just stand there all day like this. <laughs> <laughs> like a deck of cards at a casino. <laughs> yeah, except I would enjoy a deck of cards at a casino because it wouldn't make my hands smell weird. <laughs> <laughs> At least you hope. (laughs) Listen, I love me some cards. I will touch cards all day. I just don't want to touch any more pepperonis ever again. (laughs) Well, did either you or Lindsay have anything nice you would like to share? I can share something nice. So yesterday I met up with my book club, which who I haven't really gotten to see probably since COVID started. There's a group of these women that we would always get together every month. And, you know, some of us would actually read the book, but, you know, book club, the whole point of book club is to just kind of get together and eat and drink and catch on, catch up about life and stuff. That's exactly why I'm not in a book club, because I want to read the book, but I don't want to do the part where I have to talk to people. (laughs) See, I usually read the book. There are times when I won't finish it or whatever, but so it was nice to see everybody. We because the weather in Minnesota yesterday was really nice. It got up to like sixty five here, which is Ooh. uncharacteristic for this time of year. <laughs> um, thanks global warming. Uh, so we met up at a park, and then we walked to the coffee shop and had some coffee and chatted and stuff, and it was really nice. So it was nice seeing everybody and. Being able to get outside and enjoy probably one of our last hurrahs before it decides to snow on us. That's awesome. That is really nice. As an aside, I actually have to go in seven minutes because I'm meeting up with my book club. So, oh, okay, nice. okay. <laughs> I have well, a horror we'll book this club. Really quick. Nice. <laughs> I um, don't really have anything nice anyway. So, Em, I don't know if you were going to share something or if you just wanted to close it up. 
Well, uh, the only thing I was going to share was that I submitted my thesis this week. <gasps> that's true. Congratulations. You did submit it. <laughs> oh, so, awesome. That was big. I have a nice little break before starting my PhD, so I'm excited about that. That's my big news for the week. <laughs> Congratulations. What? Thank you. <laughs> that is awesome. That I'm is so proud really of awesome. you. Thank you. Thank you. Little hair toss that you can't see because I turned off my camera for now. It's all right. We can imagine the hair toss. We can imagine it. (laughs) How long have you been working on it? Uh, So thanks to COVID, it took a little bit longer. So it's been two and a half years instead of two. But just wrapped it up, submitted it, and it feels good to finally get that off my plate. That is awesome. Congrats. So I sound dumb when I talk on the show, but when I write, it sounds really good. (laughs) You guys never sound dumb. Do not do not even think that for a minute. Every time I listen to you, I'm like, God damn, they're smart. Um, you haven't listened to uh, the episode of Drink Drunk Dead where I said scientists don't use the metric system, which was really stupid. Here's the thing, though. Alcohol makes everyone seem dumber than they are. And that's just people know that. That this is true. This is true. <laughs> okay that's (laughs) i hated using the metric system though confused me (laughs) it's because we're american and we make everything way more difficult than it needs to be well i think it's about time to close up the restaurant for the night so thank oh oh wait i forgot back it up Thank you so much for that uh, awesome, those awesome stories, really. A very special thank you to Becky for joining us and being our guest chef today. Could you please let all of our guests know where they can find you and the show if they're interested in hearing more from Homespun Haints? Oh, thank you guys, all of you, for having me on today. This is a lot of fun. I love talking about anything from my home area, tucked away in the mountains. My show is Homespun Haints. I host it with my friend Diana Doty. You can find us at homespunhaints.com. We're also on Twitter, Pinterest. Yes, believe it or not. uh, (laughs) Instagram, TikTok, and Facebook at Homespun Haints. And we also have a YouTube channel, youtube.com slash homespunhaints. And we've been doing these fun mockumentary episodes on there. So hope everyone checks it out while we're on break. Um, we just did one about uh, me getting possessed by a doll. We also have one about a ghost Ooh. that loves charcuterie. And um, <laughs> who doesn't? <laughs> I'm about to put up an episode about a haunted theremin. So it's it's good times. So I hope everyone has a chance to check that out. And if you don't know how to spell it, Haints is spelled H-A-I-N-T-S. It is a Southern word for ghosties. So. <laughs> Love it. Well, thank you for joining us tonight, Becky. And I think it's about time for us to close up the restaurant for the night for the actually for real this time. So thank (laughs) you for 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 realsies. Thank you for visiting our beautiful pizzeria and enjoying a good old slice of Appalachia cryptids. We love it here. Pineapple Pizza Podcast, sweet and cheesy. Not everyone understands our awesomeness, but we're glad that you do. Question mark. If you're enjoying the show and you'd like to help support us, check out our Tee Public shop for some amazingly fun and funny merch. Or if you want to do a one-time donation, you can do that on buymeacoffee.com and buy us a fresh slice because we can never get enough. 
of basically anything, if we're being honest. If you absolutely love the show and you want to check out some fantastic bonus content, you can become a donor on Patreon and earn all kinds of amazing benefits. We have three tiers to accommodate almost any budget. The $3 Mythbuster, $7 Cryptid Hunter, and $15 Storyteller. Become a patron today and start enjoying all the perks and extra content right away. Don't forget, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at PineAppPizzaPod. That's PineAppAppPizzaPod. You can also send us questions, comments, and topic ideas at PineAppAppPizzaPod at gmail.com. Remember, there's the two P's in app. Otherwise, you're emailing someone else, and I don't want to be held responsible for that. Thanks for stopping in for some deliciously weird morsels. And just remember, no matter how you slice it, you're awesome. And we love you.